and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wading Podcast. I am box fresh off the flight from Kentucky. I finally got home. Guys, Kentucky Derby is great. Everything about it is great. We will get to it in due course. Obviously, there were some issues this year, but bypass those for a second. Great spectacle. Getting out of there was like nothing I've literally ever seen before. That airport is not equipped to have literally tens of thousands of people trying to go through it on a Sunday morning. So that was quite stressful, but I have managed to get home, much to your relief. Look at how happy you all are about this. Um, It was a classic weekend in America. It was a classic weekend over here in Newmarket as well. We have loads of good performances to get through. I feel like starting with you, Brendan Duke. I bet you've really enjoyed this weekend, haven't you? Very much so, very much so. And um, I, I just want to say, send out your props for uh, making it back from the Commonwealth of Kentucky to do this podcast. Absolute martyr to the cause. I, I, do you not worry about burnout? No, I, 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 I'd worry about you at this Brendan, stage. do I worry about burnout? I've just spent four days work, not working at all, nowhere near him in work capacity, but watching Nick Luck from a distance. There's no, like, I'm not even close to burnout compared to that man. Not okay. even close. And he's not even close either, by the way. But that is a man who knows how to graph. So, no, I've, I've been having a very jolly time of it, to be honest with you, Brendan. Oh, great. Um, great. But thank you for your concern. Kev, how are you? How are you after the weekend? You won't get any sympathy from me, that's for sure. <laughs> no, grand. Yeah, no major problems. Not that you want to hear about them anyway. <laughs> good, good. No, we're not here for the problems, are we, TC? Um, we're going to kick straight off with you because before we get stuck in to the performances on the track at Newmarket, you have been flagging up kind of, I think we spoke about it on, was it the first race the only better it was, wasn't it, in regards to watering at Newmarket? Obviously, Michael Prosser watered the track despite the fact that rain seemed to be forecast across most of the forecasts, TCU flagged this up to racing only better listeners. And then the deluge came and it resulted in soft to heavy classics, essentially, which isn't ideal. Did Michael Prosser just get this wrong in terms of the ground conditions and the watering? It's something that really annoys people. I mean, we had five questions in on it and I had literally three DMs who didn't want to go public with it to to ask ask me to raise this. Now on Thursday I did say, look, I can see why he watered because it was good to firm, good in places on Thursday, and he's got a three day meeting. He had small fields already on the Friday, so if he'd have left it and it turned out good to firm, there would have been a lot of runners, and there'll be obviously there everyone will be up in arms saying, no, why didn't he do anything? But he put four men on on Thursday, even though by his own admission, he didn't know what was coming on Friday. He he told the BHA and he told jockeys and trainers that we could get between one and 10 mil on the Friday. Now, as it is, as it was, they got 1.2 mil before racing on Friday and they got away very lightly. But even that one mil was enough to change it to good to firm, to good in places, to good, good to firm in places. So quite how one mil changed it that much, I don't know. But anybody who watched that racing through Friday, Newmarket got away really lightly. Obviously, they could have got, with those thunder downpours and stuff, they could have got a lot more. And as I said on Thursday, I, I can understand why I've done it, but in the light of that forecast, he, he was just dicing with something. I actually used the phrase on Thursday morning, he was um, robbing Peter to pay Paul, Paul being Friday. And as much as you 
people just think, oh, four mils, not that much. It's It must have had a contribution of sorts. And it could have, I think he actually got away very lightly because they could have, we said on Thursday that, you know, one forecast was suggesting they were going to get 25 mil on, for, on Saturday and they actually got 13 mil. And that was bad enough because, you know, a lot of jockeys were saying it was soft, heavy in places. So it's it, it just, it, this might mean not be a specific point, but this is on the back of sand down watering, um, on the jumps course ahead of the banding, their their Saturday card, uh, their their Friday card, Cheltenham just put on water willy nilly, and they never tell you how much. I think the whole lot. I think you know this might not be a major point as of last week, but for punters and and people betting, it, it's a real bone of contention that that you know this watery just seems to go on as the clerks will. I mean. The BHI, BHI directives are quite clear, but it, it seems like the clerks have got carte blanche to do what they want. That might be able to be the way forward, but it does get a lot of punters' backs up. You say the BHA directive is quite clear. What is that directive? Well, it should be to provide good ground um, on the national hunt uh, to be so sure you can water main t- to maintain that. But they, they seem to, I've heard on the side of caution there, they seem to go with good to soft there. I mean, and the the idea is you water maintain good to firm. Um, so you know a lot of a lot of clerks go outside their brief, and a lot of the times the the official going description doesn't tally with the going stick readings. Now the going stick readings is a diff- different matter altogether. Yeah, it's just it's just unsatisfactory. I mean, like I said, I think okay. got away with it. That forecast could have been a lot worse Friday and Saturday uh, for what they. Okay. Let's kick on to talk about the 2000 Guineas itself. We were kind of blessed with two pretty prominent and good characters winning both classics. Obviously, Frankie Dettori with Cal Dean on the Saturday and Ashim Murphy in the 1000 Guineas on Sunday, which we'll get to in due course. But I want to focus in on the performance because I think, as with all things this year with Frankie Dettori, we're going to get wrapped up in the goodbye Frankie thing. Last time he's riding in this and that, which I understand as a story, but in terms of the performance from Caldean Brendan, um, did you rank this as a good Guineas given the ground conditions that ended they ended up running on? How good a Guineas is this, and how good a winner is he? Well, it's, 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 it's hard to tell. I suppose you're looking at it on the second and fourth are triple figure prices. The third has pulled like a Mustang. I don't know how he kept going. That Royal Scotsman, both of the Bally Doyle horses have, have disappointed. It's possible definitely to pick holes in this form. But when are we going to stop picking holes in Chaldean is what I want to know, Vanessa. He's gone and he's won an Acom, He's won a Champagne. He's won a, a, a Dewhurst. A, a juvenile triple crown of sorts, if you will. I've just made that up, but it, it could be. Uh, then obviously things did, didn't go right uh, he, when Frankie was knocked out of the saddle in, in the Greenham. But he comes here, he's just, I mean, Frankie won't ride a more straightforward horse all year. Whether whether, whether you ride a better horse is, is, is another matter. But he's just, I, I, I'm trying to avoid using the phrase, he loves the game because I, I do that too often. But he's, he, he does some impression of a horse who absolutely loves the game, doesn't he? The way he stretches his neck out and he, he carries his head so low. He's ground versatile. I mean, the, the, the way he relaxes in his races, you think he'd get 10 furlongs. I don't see them being in any rush to do that, but they, but they can do it at, at some stage. I, I, I believe he's a proper horse, and perhaps my love for him is, is, is clouding uh, an objective 
assessment of the, of the race. Uh, and, and there's also the Frankel thing as well. So anytime Frankel has a big, big runner. Now I know, you know, uh, he, he was always likely to make it as a stallion because the mares that were sent to him, you could have a Blackpool donkey cover them and they probably produce decent stock. But still, it has happened before that great horses have sort of disappeared from the lineage of, of, of uh, thoroughbreds just be, because they were duff stallions. He's certainly not going to be a duff stallion and the goat will be appearing in pedigrees near you for some time to come, which pleases me. Absolutely. Uh, Caldine is now four to five favourite for the St. James's Palace Stakes at Royal Ascot. Um, would you be, do you, are you as keen on him, TC, as Brendan is in regards to what a solid performer he is now? He's proving to be continuously. Um, what price did you say there? I don't think that's right. Four to five for the what? St. James's Palace. St. James's Palace. It's five to four, I think. I think, right. I think that's got- the price around. I think you can get seven to four for, for opening the stake. No, that wouldn't interest me at all. Now, for all, yeah, I totally concur with, with Brendan on all of that. But the facts of the matter is, I mean, the second was wayward, um, obviously close home. And, but he went into that race rated 91 and he's beaten him. He's beaten him under two lengths. Um, yeah. uh, the, the four fours, as Brendan said, Galleron was 97. That was only beaten five lengths. It's impossible to rate the form that highly. You know, he's probably underperformed and, and won that race. Um, and even the third, you can, so he didn't run his race, but again, for the reason Brendan said, he, he pulled very pulled very hard. So I think you have to treat the form with a bit of suspicion, but there is a, there comes a time where you just have to look at a horse's profile and just say, yeah, he might have had an off day and still won a classic by nearly two lengths. So, yeah, I actually, it's actually not on the running order, but it, it was flagged up to me on Twitter. And there's so much racing going on over the weekend. I totally missed it. I actually think the best mining performance over the weekend is a horse called Cicero's Gift at Goodwood. Oh, Goodwood. Jesus I would, Christ, I would absolutely love Ch- uh, Chaldean or Chaldean or whatever they're calling it to go head to head with Cicero's Gift because Cicero's, Cicero's, Cicero's Gift from a form perspective, that be the field and runner up. Everyone's going on about the field and winner, Canberra Legend. That only got beaten, the, the runner up only got beaten half a length by. Um, um, by um, uh, the Canberra legend, and he came out uh, Khaleesi, and he came out and he's Cicero's gift beat it by five lengths off levels, and that was a, the second's one hundred and three rated horse. He's beat him absolutely pointless. Now, if I knew that was going to go for the St James's Palace Stakes, I'd be all over that at twelves. Uh, but the problem is, it sounds like Charlie Hills is wants to up him up up him trip for the uh, French Derby, but. If you ask me the star mining performance of the weekend, without a shadow of a doubt, go and look at that Goodwood race. Go and have a look at Cicero's gift. Um, I think that's a proper group one tour. Big chat, big chat about Cicero's gift. Um, we obviously need to focus in on the Aidan O'Brien horses, Kevin. There's so much excitement beforehand with the two runners for him in the 2000 Guineas with August Rodan coming there as 
you know, having had this perfect preparation until basically the 11th hour with travel issues. And a lot's been made of that and sort of been pinned on them as the reasons that these two horses underperform. We got a question on it. Ben asked, how much of an effect do you think O'Brien sending August Road down on Friday instead of Saturday as normal had on the horse? Does travelling the morning of the race seem vital to O'Brien horses? And would it put you off betting on them if the same happened again? Like I say, a lot of people are focusing in on this as the excuse for why they ran badly. But are you buying into that, Kev? I mean, we didn't see the best yeah. of either of his two runners. In it. Well, we didn't see the best of any of his horses in Newmarket across the whole weekend. So what's gone wrong? Or is it just the ground? I wouldn't point at the travel anyway. Um, no. Like that's the, that's the way most horses travel from, from Ireland to the UK. Um, it's the way that they'll travel to Chester next next week. Um, or this week, I should say, they've been doing that for a couple of years now and they tend to win everything at Chester. So um, I wouldn't be worrying too much about that. It's not ideal. It would be, you know, you're you're dealing with, you know, um, you know, tiny, tiny marginal gains, most likely. So we're, we're not dealing with marginal gains here. You know, the two of them were, were tailed off, basically. Um, so I, I wouldn't be pointing to the travel. Um, messy race for the two of them, particularly for Little Big Bear. Um, who was a bit lit up, which, you know, not surprising, horse stepping up and tripped, but um, Wayne was edging him across and the, the horse kind of seemed to overreact to a horse on, on his left coming in as well. And he's come across, um, he's come across the eventual third Royal Scotsman and he's got very badly struck into, um, you know, lost his back end and, and has come back lame, unfortunately. So hopefully uh, the next couple of days show that that's not anything that's going to hold him up for too long, but, but you would be fearful. Um, and August Rodan, like you, you wouldn't be as you, you, you can't be. I suppose you wouldn't. His excuses aren't as evident. Um, he did cop a bump, um, in that same incident, and I believe Ryan said afterwards that he just didn't carry him after that. Um, but look, fiercely disappointing. The ground shouldn't really have been an issue, um, given that he ploughed through it at Doncaster. Um, so look, really disappointing from the two of them, particularly August Rodan. Um, they're they're, they're going to drive on and um, train him for the derby. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of research done in the coming uh, weeks to see if anyone can find a derby winner that came into it off the back of such a poor run. Um, they might have to spend quite a while looking, I suspect. Um, so far from ideal. Um, there was some. There was. It, it was a great example, I think, of how um, things can can grab fire on Twitter. <laughs> In particular, uh, because I, I was trying to track down where this came from, and I reckon there was chat after the race that he burst blood vessels, and I, I'm fairly sure, having having searched around on Twitter a bit, that what happened was a couple of people said, "Oh, I hope he didn't burst blood vessels." His his dam famously burst blood vessels in one of her big races. I hope he didn't. And some people have clearly seen this put two and two together and go, oh, he burst blood vessels. And all of a sudden, before you know, there's a whole heap of accounts tweeting how August Rodan has burst blood vessels. Um, I rang Aiden to, to ask the question fairly soon after the race, and he said, no, absolutely not. Um, that didn't happen, and it wasn't in the vet report, etc. So it was just an example of um, Chinese whispers on, on social media um, grabbing legs, and I still see people tweeting about it today. So uh, cop on to yourselves, lads. didn't happen. Cop on. Um, but okay. to, just to just to wheel back around to, to the winner, um, yeah, like, like I, I don't want to. I, you can't knock him. He did his job. He jumped out, lovely straightforward ride, won the race well, well in command with with, with half a furlong to race. Um, you can pick and poke at the rest. Plenty of disappointments. I thought High, High Royal ran a smashing race, prominent just like the winner. Um, acted the Mickey laid on clearly, inexperienced, drifted left. 
um, like veered left twice. You know, he's definitely better than, than the bare form. And Royal Scotsman, as Brendan says, like, Jesus, he he did pull like a Mustang now. He really did. And he had to check off heels early. He had to wait for a clear run. Like, he's the only one of those three that came from any way back in the field. Um, like, he came to within ahead of, of Caldine at, in the Dewhurst. And I'd say that might be a bit more reflective of their relative merits. So it sounds like all three are going to bang heads again in the St. James's Palace. Um, the, the betting for that would be fascinating throw in potentially um, Cicero's gift possibly he might go up and trip and a couple of others and, and it could shape up into quite a spicy race I dare I dare suggest nice okay well we should move on to the well actually should we have a word for Frankie the Tory I mean was anyone surprised by his reaction after the race in terms of level of emotion I didn't I wasn't quite expecting that from him but I guess the reality of riding in these classics for the last time probably hits home if you're winning them. Um, but, it, you know, he was more emotional than I think most people would have predicted him to be. And everyone said after the race, he took a good while to sort of compose himself before he spoke to the press. And was anyone surprised by that? Yeah, I think he's got a lot more emotional in general in the last couple of years. You know, we saw it at the back end of Enable, her career. You know, I, I taught yeah, myself too. watching him and listening to him that he just... He, he was conscious even at that stage that the end wasn't far away and that he mightn't be sitting on, you know, too many more top class ones. Um, clearly, he was, he was a bit, um, you know, there, there was still more to come from him and there still is more to come from him. But um, look, it, it's, ni- it's, it's nice for him. He, he sees the finish line. He, he, he knows that, you know, the days are counting down and that the big days, there might be heaps of them. So enjoy them, take it in. Um, plenty of jockeys don't get the luxury of doing that, such as the nature of our game. So, um, yeah, good luck to him. Why not? Is he, is he is he riding well? Because obviously, if you if you look at him on Saga, I know it's a tricky horse, first time headgear, but he did look he didn't he looked pretty weak there. And a lot of people, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't go away from it. A lot of people were giving him some pelters for getting beaten on that horse. In that instance, I think it's unfair because the horse has got a history of getting him into trouble. It's famously Gosden carpeted Detroit <laughs> for the ride at Royal Ascot last year, didn't he? So. Oh, yeah. It may not be the best example, but I'm not sure if he's riding that well. But obviously, and he had a yeah. He's like he's never one that looks, you know, that looks like a bull in the saddle, like some. You know, he's he's always tidier. But um, should look with that saga. If he won a nose, it would have got right in the month. You know, that's our way because <laughs> he yeah, is because exactly. he is a, he, he's not he's not easy that lad. And I'd say he Frankie probably has a saga dartboard up in up in his his games room. I assume he does have a games room, Frankie, because um, uh, they won't have they won't have many <laughs> fond memories of saga. I don't think. Um, let's move on to talk about the one thousand guineas because we saw Morge win this in a battle with Tahira in the closing stages, beating Matilda Picot in there back in third. But it was really about the front two, Brendan. Um, this was I loved this. This was a class race. I was watching it in America. I had it on the TV, and when they pulled clear and went down to do battle up to the line. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, Morge getting the better of Tahira in the end, but we knew that she was a couple of weeks short of work and it just looked that way maybe in the closing stages. Would you be... I'm confident if they meet again in the summer on better ground, Tahira's going to get the better of Morge, but um, that's that's probably a big swing given the, given the comments after the race in regards to the winner. Would you be on my side? Um, well, I, um, excuse me... Um, First of all, as as they say over where you were at the weekend, that was a horse race, wasn't it? I mean, the two of oh. uh, the 
by button heads for uh, over over a furlong pulled seven and a half lengths clear of the third. It was an absolutely brilliant race. I certainly don't buy this thing about Tahira needing another couple of weeks because I tend to have great faith in market efficiency. And basically what happened with Tahira was, well, said, oh, I'd love to have another couple of weeks with her. And the uh, big syndicates, uh, punters in general, saw price on the board and smashed it off the boards. They just could not get it up. I mean, they sent her off six to four in a 20 runner field of, of relatively uh, unexposed three-year-old fillies. I mean, she was very well fancied. Um, now, Maj had, had had the prep runs in, in, in Dubai. She wasn't on my radar at all. I don't back horses trained by Saeed Bin Saror, which is usually a, a policy that, 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 that yields dividends, but not in this case. Uh, good luck to him, but I, I won't be uh, changing, changing tack on that. I mean, Maj has more experience, so I can certainly see it in, in that term. Was there anything to be said? Did Tahira slightly turn her head? Now, she... It's only the third run of her life, and it's the first time basically she's been off the bridle. She's been wildly impressive in her in her two runs, but just just what I thought she was getting the better of that jewel. I thought she just half turned her head, which again seven and a no, half. No, I think I can I can buy into that. I I thought at one stage as she when I watched the replay, I thought if she really wanted to go past. Could she have done if she if she had that Caldina attitude, Brendan? Well, she'd have well, well, that well, bit well, 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 possibly, but of course, this race could be the making of her. Um, yeah. So, so it'd be very interesting to see going forward. Uh, just a, a quick mention of a few. Matilda Picot ran, ran really well. I don't think she fully sees out a mile, but she's got a great attitude. And yeah. uh, they're, look, they're looking at the Commonwealth Cup. She'd have to be a, a, a fair runner in that, getting the allowance. Meditate ran, ran pretty well, a little bit free, um, but... Uh, decent effort and Lazoo as well. She 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 travelled into the race again. Stamina probably stretched there, so she'd be interested in dropped in trip. Well, well, in terms of prices, Brendan, we got Morge at six to four for the Coronation Stakes, and Matilda Picot off the back of the really good run. Obviously, potentially dropping back down in trip is currently twelves for the Commonwealth Cup. Um, Kev, there was so much to take apart from this race. What were your big takeaways in regards to, to the winner? I think we should do her justice. There's lots of focus on the second, but the winner in particular. Yeah, she, look, she she went and did her job, you know, hard and Philly. Um, off that Dubai prep, uh, we, we we had the right race, but the wrong form line with uh, with Dream of Love. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think she's the she's the first one to do that to, to come off a, a prep having run in Dubai and won a thousand guineas. She's the first, so um, fair play for that. And in fairness, like. Uh, we, you can make the case for Dream of Love. Maybe should have beaten her um, back in January, but there was nothing wrong with what she did in February. You know, beating Fairy Cross by by eight and a half lengths. You know, Fairy Cross is is no joke herself. For all that she she got stuck in the mud um, in the race on Sunday herself. But Modge, like she was tough. Like I did, I did think watching the race um, live. Oh, here come the stewards. This could be Oshin Murphy's uh, Royal Ascot nightmare repeated. With um dragon symbol a few years ago, but then the head-on reveal that it wasn't as bad as it seemed it might be. But there was something in it. Um, I know Dermot Well made comments and Chris Hayes made comments that um that they thought that they might have had a closer look than they did. Um, and I can see what you're saying with Tahira because you know she caught the eye from a long way out. She came there. She looked like she was coming there to win, and she just seemed to feel a close home. Um, you know whether that was just. Yeah, you know, this, this this was a big effort. Look, and I know uh, talking to a few people that were there, you know, they did feel that physically she wasn't, you know, as ready as some of the others. 
And I tell you what, they've, they've gone deep into the well with her here. Like they, this was bad all ground and they've pulled a mile clear. You know, they've got, they've got right into the depths of her here. So I just hope she bounces out of the run well. Um, and we'll see what they do. You know, the Irish Guineas isn't far away. By the sounds of it, I don't think any of the Colts have any interest in coming over for the Irish Guineas. Um, I can understand that. I, I wouldn't be shocked if 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 Dermot decides to wait for Ascot. They said that the plan had been the Curra, but this was a gut buster now. Um, you know, the type the type of race that you really want to be get, getting all the bananas at the end of rather than finishing second. Um, so yeah. we'll see where she we'll see where she goes and how it pans out. But it was a massive run. Massive yeah. run. Like it, it was difficult to come from off the pace. Um, I feel. And, you know, she did a big job in trying to run down one that, that was up in the front end the whole way. So um, if we get to the end of the season, I suspect Tahira will be will be rated higher than Maj. But um, Maj had her day here. Um, I, I don't want to pick around the rest of them too much because plenty of them just got stuck in the mud or just didn't okay. stay. Um, but right, yeah, su- su- super horse race. Enjoyed it. Um, and well done to Oshin too. You could tell for, for different reasons to Frankie that... Um, it meant a lot to him because, uh, yeah, he's, he's had his uh, troubles as well. Let's rattle through um, a few of the other good performances from the weekend elsewhere. We'll focus in on Leopardstown. We better come to you for this, Brendan. Um, mm. We got to see Azazat win a maiden in pretty impressive fashion for Dermot Weld with Colin Keane. Yeah. And we also yeah. got to see Spreewell in the Derby Trials bring a bit of a surprise for the Jesse Harrington team. Obviously, Shane Foley in the saddle. Um, Spreewell's now 16th one from 50s for the Derby, and Azazat has been put in at 20, well, no, reduced from 40 to 1 to 25. So a bit bigger prices. But were there anything to take away uh, in particular that you want to flag up from Leopardstown, please? Um, yeah, well, Azazat really seemed to relish the, the, the step up and trip uh, as befits our pedigree. I would just have a slight concern. Uh, they were serious looking bunch of horses beforehand, but I'm not sure how strong the race was. Queenstown, granted, knew a lot more than he did in, in, in Navinal. That would be hard. St. Vincent's Garden did run on promisely, but that Deacon is a complete rogue. And Milwaukee is, is well, he's, he's going to be hurdling uh, by the end of this year, I'd say. So I'm not sure, sure what she beat, but she did it impressively. Clearly relished the step up and trip. And Say the last dance is in and um, Chester uh, in the Ch- Chester Oaks on Wednesday. So uh, another boost for her for her form. Uh, she's still the one I'd be most interested in for the Oaks at this stage. And Spreewell, yeah. Um, so absolutely nothing wrong with this. I I, I definitely had that nice. He, he he broke his, his maiden in a conditions race and nace a couple of weeks before, and I didn't really rate that form. It was a funny looking race. Uh, so, so he wasn't on my radar for this, but you'd have to believe that up, up and under probably stepped forward for his Bally Sachs run. Spreewell beat him by three lengths. Looks like really solid form. He's a prototypical scopey Churchill sort. He's just he's just going to get better with time. And he, I mean, he's in the Derby, and the way the way the Derby is at the moment, I'm not saying things could definitely clear up between York and. Lingfield and Chester, but they'll have to. I mean, it's about eight to one the field at the moment. So, I, 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 if he was mine, I'd definitely take a chance to run him in the Derby. Wide open, love it. 
exciting times ahead, everyone. Um, let's keep coupling up a few of these performances. TC, I'll come to you for the Godolphin horses. Um, we got to see Hurricane Lane bounce right back to form at Newmarket and at AR back in the winner's enclosure as well. Uh, Hurricane Lane is now 4-1 to one for the Coronation Cup and at AR is now also 4-1 to one for the Prince of Wales' stakes off the back of those performances that we saw of them. Um, I don't think any of us were confident in Hurricane Lane bouncing back and it was watching brief only for me with AR, but they're back with a bang, to be fair to them both. Yeah, it's just another advert for for Charlie Appleby and, and first-time headgear. He's got a brilliant record with first-time cheap piece and they did the trick there. Big drifter. Um, Do you have the numbers? Do you have the numbers to hand? I, I, but I normally, would, if you first-time cheap pieces, something that sticks in my head around about 29%, which probably wow. given the prices he's his horses go off at is probably not a great ROA investment, but some of them go off at big prices in the handicaps. Um, yeah, I thought obviously didn't uh, you know the late market move saw that coming, drifted out to threes, got smashed into twos very late. There was a lot of money on Betfair, came on very late for that horse. Uh, that one well, ADAR obviously won very well, but I'd be more interested in Anmat the second. I thought that one a eye-catchingly good race from off the pace giving the winner five pounds. So, yeah, going forward, Addy will be the one getting the headlines. But, yeah, and Mark would definitely interest me uh, on the back of that. And just coming, we mentioned Save the Last Dance running on uh, Chester on Wednesdays. There's now the 6-1 favourite for the Oaks. We should just mention Infinite Cosmos came out uh, and won her maiden, and she's 7-1 sec- second favourite. But Sir Michael Stout seemed to be underwhelmed by the uh, by the performance and... And that's the second favourite for the Oaks. But yeah, to my eye, Infinite Cosmos was was quite impressive. But obviously, whether where she goes after that, I don't know. Trainer keeping cards close to his chest. Um, do Kev, you better give a mention to should have been a ring. He's so consistent. He's now thirty three to the Commonwealth Cup, and he was a winning tip for you on racing only better. Was that your only winning tip of the weekend? Um, <laughs> can't remember, Vanessa. I'm sure there was some others in there. Um, <laughs> no, well done, well done. No, well ridden by Sean Levy, in fairness. Um, well deserved. Another one from Midland Park. Fair play to them. Um, one that I'd flag from later in the weekend is Via Sestina um, in the Dahlia Stakes because, Jesus, that, that was something else. And that was, that was... I mean, that, that leaves me wondering, what's Jamie sat on? Typical Jamie Spencer. How much is under the bonnet if something was there pushing him to the line? But you just wouldn't know when he gives a horse a ride like that. You just don't know what he's holding on to. One by six. Yeah, I'd say he's holding on to plenty there now. George Bowie's done a big job with this mare um, because she she always looked good in fairness. Joe Chewett used to train her. Um, she was very impressive in a maiden, I remember. There, it's nearly two years ago now. Big mare. Um, Gina Bryce's family bred her, actually. And she, she kind of got up to a level and then seemed to plateau and has got switched to Bowie since Joe Chu was retired and just has taken off like in a big way and getting back on that soft ground like she looked she looked a group one horse um I know this was a group two so it stayed in the obvious but she hadn't looked anything like a group one horse prior but she does now and um yeah if they can if they there'd be a couple of group ones in France for her later in the season over 10 um, that she might get soft ground in, and geez, I can nearly see her winning one because uh, this was this was fairly fiercely impressive. Now, Very how well. did she slip through the net for just five k, Kev? I think I, I did ask the question. I, I don't think she's got great hind legs, um, oh. um, not great at all. 
and she, she's a big mare, so she mightn't have been much of an oil painting now at the, at the December yearland sales. So um, these things can happen. And uh, Stephen Hilland, the bloodstock agent, uh, she still runs in his colours. So, um, yeah, she's worth a hell of a lot more than that now. I was just about to say, Brendan, you should be a negative for you with bad hind legs. Yeah. Rumour has well, it you don't like a bad hind leg. Well, funny enough, I don't actually look at confirmation. Um, so it shows you what a paddock judge I am, but I don't think there's any. He sees reaction to, to that. Well, well, the thing about confirmation is, is it, that this is paddock watching. Well, no, no, normally horses with bad confirmation. I'm talking about legs or what have you, don't make it to the track because they can't stand up to training. So I'm happy that if they've actually made it to the track, I don't worry so much about uh, confirmation. I'm looking at them more from the knees up, TC, the knees up. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important halftime break. Or deposit limits, to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus be gamblerware.org. Let's, should we move on and talk about a few uh, news topics from the week that has been? Because there's a few things to cover. We're all ready for that. I think we are. Uh, Animal Rising was apparently at it again at Doncaster on Saturday. I completely missed that. Um, but more protests at Doncaster. They looked as though, from what I could see very briefly, that they were sort of shut down pretty quickly. But what is more worrying is that they've absolutely confirmed that they are going to try and disrupt the derb. Der- <gasps> That's because I've been in America. That's because I've been in America. When I was in America, every time I called it the Derby, they made me put $10 into a swear box. <laughs> derby. Derby. Huh? Um, you'll be, you'll be I, did, I, I, I did warn you. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You flagged that up. That was good You'll advice. Be that bacon is... with your pancakes next, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, I actually had bacon yesterday morning with my pancakes. No word of a lie, TC. So it's funny you bring it up. Sure. By the end of breakfast, I was dipping my crispy bacon into a pot of maple syrup and just eating it direct. Jeez. And then I caught a look at myself in the mirror and I was just like, cop yourself on Vanessa and go home so that was that <laughs> yeah um, the, the last time I was in America I ended up having steak for breakfast every day for about five days and when I came home the, the old stomach was not in great shape no I, w- <laughs> I was definitely on the food front I, I was definitely ready to come home anyway we digress Animal Rising are going to try and disrupt the derby derby uh, no and, uh, TC I think it was you was it you maybe it wasn't you but I think it was who flagged up how hard it's going to be to with the infield at the Derby, yeah. like it's a massive operation to try and keep anyone off the track at a place like Epsom. Should we be more worried about this than we were ahead of the national even? Well, I, I didn't spot, well, I wasn't watching um, Doncaster, so I, that passed me by, but obviously you had a look and yeah, they, they seem they seem to obviously be active there. And obviously they they said they're going to go to Epsom. And like I said, we flagged up before after the Grand National. You know, it's it's impossible to police that that Epsom. It's a, obviously it's a public right of way. Um, you know, if they wanted to, they will get it. They will get on the course. They just they just will. Um, but what they got, you know, if they're going to do it, they might as well be a bit cute. I mean, they got to ditch the pink t-shirts for for one, haven't they? I mean, they're only going to get in unannounced if they just go around with thirty of them, walk around with pink uh, 
pink t-shirts and hardly undercover undercover mole is it um yeah but it's not it's not about disrupting the race though tony it's about no, publicity no, no, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work if you don't have the pink t-shirts on you know that defeats their ultimate purpose they couldn't they, give two continentals about a horse race camouflage gear and have a pink t-shirt once they're yeah. in situ and put the pink on but no being serious it's like i said the, the only problem the only problem these protesters got if they try and do it on that get in through that epsom infield yeah that is on that day there i'm not joking the crowd will absolutely lynch them it's it's a boisterous crowd at the best of times you've got some unsavory characters in that <laughs> yeah we, we don't we don't it, hate it, to see that 20 or 30 dainty teenagers trying <laughs> trying sprightly make their way to the course there I'm telling you that they'll be jamie lynched if they try to do that jamie lynched i was surprised that they even like bothered to be at doncaster like i mean kev you've touched yeah, on this but they doubled the crowd apparently <laughs> you're about right i wouldn't be surprised like you've just touched upon their need for publicity why why would they go and lie on a track at doncaster Kev? Like, yeah it was pretty pretty random like there was, I think there was, there was seemed to be seemed to be four of them there they sat down on the track i don't know if they tried to glue themselves to the track to the grass or what um but it didn't take long to move them um really weird but um yeah look you would in seriousness you would be very concerned about the derby um, you really would. Um, look, the, these are these are just on on the path of publicity stunts now. You know, the, this is what this is what they want, and it's going to be a difficult thing to defend. Um, you, you'd be really worried. And look, I think we, I think we as a, as a sport, we probably need to be. We we know all know what happened before the Grand National and how we reacted to it, because we didn't necessarily know what we as a sport were dealing with with this crowd. Um, I, I think we know now, you know, I, I think we know what they're about. You know, they, they don't actually care about horse racing or horses at all, really. Um, it's it's a means for them to get publicity, to get you on their website with their donate buttons everywhere. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think we probably gave them too much respect almost um, prior to the yeah. Grand National. Um, you know, I think you have. I think you have to look at, at what this group is, what their overall aims are. You know, as mentioned, they don't care about horse racing. Like they, they are. Um, they are at the extreme end uh, of the spectrum in terms of their beliefs and what their utopia looks like. And and I think we just have to call them out on it. Um, if this thing goes a bit mainstream again, coming up to the derby, and and just I, I think the thing is to just put ask them the questions so that they reveal their policies publicly, because I think their vision of the future will be completely incompatible with ninety nine point nine percent of the of the public. You know, I'm talking about you know no pets. They, they don't believe anyone should own an animal. You know, they think everyone should be vegan. You know, this they think all the animals should be, you know, all the agricultural land yeah. in the country should be rewilded and the animals set free. Like this is like like so 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 extreme. Yeah. And I think it'll almost be our job just just to 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 get it out there, you know, you know, who, who these people are, what they want. And I think it's so incompatible with, with, with the real world that um I think already I can feel, you know, on social media and that that this is just becoming like a, a real annoyance for a lot of people this kind of yeah. carry on this disruption of uh of high profile events I, I think the the public sentiment is really going against them and should look hopefully the fears are realized at the derby but you, you would you would be fearful um if if a big group turned up as they did at Aintree what, what they could do um so look we'll, we'll, we'll watch this okay. space 
and well, uh, you'd be, see what you'd happens. be fearful for them, wouldn't you? I didn't realise this at all. It turns out I was telling Vanessa about the dangers of the infield in K- Kentucky, but it turns out it's the Walt Disney version. I mean, what the hell is going on in episode? These are the JSO are going to lose members. They were on manoeuvres in Doncaster, but they're going to lose about fifty percent of their battalion from the sounds of the people that inhabit the infield in Epsom. There's no yeah. way they're going to be able to disrupt the race because they'll just be cut down before they get a cut chance. Down. About 100 double-decker buses full of pissed-up people by about 10 o'clock. I know oh, the at 1.30, but they'll be hammered by about 11. If anybody... On that, on that note, just... Just before we move on, because we've got to keep this show rocking and rolling in the right direction. Um, I did. I took your advice on board, Brendan, right. and I did not venture into the Churchill Downs infield, uh, but I did watch on from a distance, and they were having a great time in there. It's fair to say. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, there, there, were, there were breasts on show, I assume, were there? I presume <laughs> so as well. I mean, I didn't really. I wasn't really focusing in on that myself. But yes, I looked over there. I mean, one the thing that I would, people can have. Yeah. yeah sorry. One, one thing. One thing I would point out is, uh, I mean, a million different race go race days going on in one place at Churchill Downs on Derby weekend. I mean, for the Oaks, the infield looked quite sparse, and I thought everyone talks about the Churchill Downs infield it doesn't look that great over there. And, you know, it's a splat. Like there's a good amount of people, but it didn't look rammed. Come Derby Day, it was like a carnival in there. I mean, honestly, I did watch on from a distance, waved at them. But, um, yeah, they were having a great time. TC, talk yeah. to me about Whip. I, I feel like it's been at least two weeks since we mentioned the Whip on this show. Uh, but Whip bands in March in the UK is something that's probably gone a little bit under a few people's radar due to other news elsewhere. But the numbers are a little bit shocking, aren't they? Yeah. Um, what are the numbers? Just, well, just, well, well, just, yeah. I mean, uh, there were Peb sent me through a couple of links. I couldn't find it on the BHA site, but a, a few other people failed anyway. It's it's buried away a little bit. But anyway, there was between the twenty seventh and the thirtieth of April. There were eleven bands, all ranging for about eleven to uh, sorry, uh, four to eight days. The most high profile was Billy Nofnane, who got who went one over in a class two and got eight days. And one of those days, he has to go back to the British Racing School for instruction. I mean, I mean, this is this is the new Lester Piggott being being sent back for a day to learn how to ride for going one over. Um, and more shockingly, uh, between May the first and May the third, uh, there were fourteen jockeys who got done from four to eight days again. Those three days. Yeah. 14 jockeys got, and between four days to the end of April, uh, 11 jockeys got. So, you know, we all put our hands up after Cheltenham saying, yeah, we got this wrong. You know, it's we, we've overreacted. Uh, it sounds like we haven't. I mean, um, there's been a lot of developments with the, obviously with the PGA in recent days. Uh, you know, the chair's gone, John Holmes and two others have gone. Mick Fitzgerald's resigned, as is one of the executives. So there was obviously a lot of unrest and there's talk about Paul Stravers coming back. Now, I was going to speak to Paul this morning, but I didn't want to put him in an awkward position because this, this is a front page story in the, in, in, the, in the Racing Post today. But Paul has been done a lot of work on, on this. He's written a lot of articles on these whip bands and he doesn't buy into the fact that this is, this is small beer. He actually tweeted earlier in the uh, last week that uh, they hit the thousand days mark of, about jockeys getting suspended since these new rules were brought in uh, prior to Cheltenham. A thousand days. I mean, 
we're a bit blasé about this. Oh, well, jockey's got four days, got eight days. This is serious. Yeah, yeah. Someone said to you, you know, this is go- some of these are really technical breaches. If you go on the BHA site, there's very there's the different reasons. You know, one got I think one got four days for going above. I've actually one. I think he might have been because he went one over and above uh, head height. I think he got actually eight days. Now eight days for what is miscounting at a very technical breach. Eight days. I mean, that is you know Billy Noffney, for example, got eight days. I had to look at him. He's probably, that is probably around about, for someone like him, that's probably about 40 rides, 35 to 40 rides in those eight days. Now, it is really disproportionate. And no wonder, you know, the jockeys are up in arms. And obviously there's big, massive rumblings in the PHR. I'm not sure what's PGA and what's going on there. But if Struthers gets in there, I suspect the first thing he'll do is just try to bin off the uh, the PR agency they brought in five weeks ago. (laughs) I mean, it's some move. It's some move by um, the PGA members. Obviously, there's seriously there's a lot of um, upset. It seems within yeah. their members at the moment. But you know, Paul Struthers left a good while ago now, and for them to for them for there to be calls to bring him back. I mean, it says a lot well, for the man himself in Paul well, Struthers. We, we don't know that. We, we don't know that. I mean, there was no substance to that. But I didn't like I said, I get on really well with Paul. We text quite. Quite a lot, but I didn't want to put him in a in a bad situation. But you ha- you've got a, you've got a situation here where, where like, it's it's just absolutely bizarre. I mean, like the the very fact is the PJ literally brought in an outside PR agency to actually deal with this five weeks ago. It, it's it's just it's absolutely shocking. Um, no, I, I, yeah. I, I know we I took the piss out of him a few weeks ago, but Neil Callum was on Luck on Sunday yesterday. I didn't really. I didn't really listen to it. It was on in the background, but I was doing some other stuff. But I actually direct messaged him on Twitter, actually. We follow each other and, you know, we've had a couple of, you know, jokes between ourselves after that. Uh, and like I said, we had a brief exchange yesterday, uh, afternoon and evening, uh, back and forth a bit. And and I think he's on the advisory board of PHA, Neil Cullen. Uh, and it sounds like there is absolutely open warfare going on and it must be linked to uh, these, these, you know, these, these fines and these, and these bands of jockeys again, they are totally disproportionate and something has to be done because, you know, if we thought this has gone away, those figures I quoted for the end of April and three days in May are very, very worrying. Um, and should, should look, you have to remember that I, um, I know we're, we're, we all have a great regard for, for um, Paul Strutters, but you have to remember that like when at the time he left, like the PGA was in, was in the Myers at that time, you know, the Brian Lee Frost case was just finishing up and the whole thing was, it was in an absolute mess. Um, and he and himself had been really through the ringer. Do you remember? Yeah, he was, yeah, big time. He was a broken man by yeah. the end of it, you could tell. And I felt um, a bit bad the way he went out in that sense yeah. because oh, overall, no. Everyone yeah. says what a brilliant job he'd been doing for the jockeys, but I think that just completely bottomed him. Yeah, completely afraid of. You know that interview he did, I think, with Rishi? Yeah, like, was, yeah. Was a, was shocker, when, yeah. The language he used over that Bryony Frost and Robbie Dunn, he should have should have walked straight after that interview because it was, it was. if I remember rightly, he said, oh, if Bryony was a de- she deemed to be, uh, to, to have herself being bullied. If she felt she was bullied or something yes, like that, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, just, just not to, uh, you know, I know we, we you say numbers and they just sometimes they can just sound like numbers, but that thousand day of bans, like, it, it is fairly mad when you think about it. 
because like I, and I'm, I'm pulling a figure out of, out, of, out of my backside now, but what would an average jockey's earnings be in a day? Would it, would it be 800 quid, including rides and, and winnings, you know, across the whole thing? I know not everyone would, would, would earn 800 quid. quid a ride, is it? Yeah, like like a thousand days at eight, an average of eight hundred quid. Like that's nearly a million quid in lost earnings, you know, in the space of a, a couple, a, a two and a half months. Like that's that's pretty wild stuff. And I know, look, you can take the attitude of look, everyone knows the feckin' rules, just be compliant. But I suppose the issue is, is that when they're, you know, going, you know, minor minor transgression of the rules, they're they're getting a, a right old slap. Um, so. Yeah, look, look, it's for them to sort out. Um, if there is a big change in the hierarchy there, uh, maybe they'll feel, you know, and, and if the membership supports um, the new hierarchy in going after the BHA again and trying to get some of this um, um, backtracked, I don't know, but it, it sounds like it's an absolute mess at the minute and, and it might take some rectifying. Um, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope Paul goes back in because Paul's a top operator. You'd, you'd love him to go back in. I'm sure he, he set up his own business now, Moya Sports. So um, it might not suit him, even if they even if they really want them back. But um, yeah, we'll watch it with interest because it's clearly an absolute mess at the minute. Um, Brendan, let's talk all things Churchill Downs and Kentucky Derby. Obviously, mm. Mage won the big race on Saturday. Um, it was a brilliant winner, relatively unexpected, but the race sort of surrounded by quite a bit of drama beforehand. But it's not controversy, just drama in regards to obviously Forte being scratched. On the morning of the race, there'd been a lot of chat in and around uh, Churchill Downs in regards to the horse. He, sort of the, he'd been under the vet's microscope in the days leading up to it with concerns about his soundness. He'd stumbled on the track, apparently, in a morning workout. And then there was this talk of the stone bruise there was a lot of trotting up and down on the concrete in front of vets and a lot of people, a lot of discussions with the owner and eventually the horse and trainer, of course, and eventually the horse is scratched from the race. Um, with some people saying that now in the modern world, you know, we're overly cautious of these things, that the horse looked absolutely fine to a lot of people's, oh, oh, TC's raising an eyebrow at that. No, you're not happy with that comment? Well, you're kind of missing the fact that seven horses died, aren't you, last week? Yeah, but I'm, I'm just talking about Forte and the Churchill and the Kentucky Derby in regards to that was nothing to do with the horses dying on the track. This is just... No, I don't sound. know. But like I say, I, you, obviously you were there and Brendan might have followed it more closely, but that, that's the main story. And Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it with you. I, mean, no, I didn't raise an eyebrow, but we, we have got a question about this as well, actually, as well. But no, I'll, I'll leave it to you. I didn't raise an eyebrow because I was questioning what you were saying about Forte is just that I thought obviously the no I mean look I, no I getting away the introductory from... point would have been the horse is dying and why why there's a need to be really ultra cautious. Yeah I well mean, I, I think it's probably one of those that the, the horse deaths made everyone extra cautious. Yeah. And yeah. um look, look the videos out there of the horse being trotted up like in the He's he's off like by a teeny tiny amount like like you, you score lameness out of five. Like he was probably a 0.5 out of five off. Like in, uh, like I'm not being smart. Like, but there'd be horses running up and down the country every day that are 0.5 off. You know, you don't you don't have to be perfect at a trot up to go and race perfectly fine. Sure, look, it's you know, especially with. But I think you know, horses, in this day and age, with, you do have to be perfect now. Well, no, but you, the thing is, they might want you to be, but you don't you don't have to be. You know, there, there would have been horse, there would have been horses winning Group Ones that trotted up worse than that. Um, you know, because ultimately it's like any athlete, you 
you know, geez, you know, watch me when I get out of bed in the morning and come down the stairs. You'd say, geez, that fella's not fit for anything. But give, give me a few minutes to warm up and I'm fine. Like, you know, and the horses would be the same. And we, look, we've seen this all over the racing world, like in especially on big stages where the veterinary scrutiny is extra, extra tight. Like they will pick up on things that don't get picked up elsewhere. Is that protecting horses or is that being too far the other way? You know, it's a it's a debate, and it's a t- it's a it's a thing that's difficult to um mm. to test because horses that that come through like the most vigorous of vettings can still go and unfortunately break a leg out out on the track, um and others that that do look a little bit pottery or do look a shade off can go and run and be perfectly fine. Um, so it, it's a really tricky thing. It, it's not the it's not the first example we've seen of a kind of contentious withdrawals close to big races. Um, I suspect we'll see more and more of it. Um, you you would have sympathy for connections because ultimately they wouldn't run the horse if they felt um he couldn't do his best and he could you know he was going to be in any sort of um uh, danger a breakdown. You know, of course they're not going to run the horse. Um, but it's the guys that are, that are managing them through their career and know what's normal, what's in the normal range for them. You know, it's when yeah. they're being over overruled, it just it becomes slightly uncomfortable. Um, for me. But uh, you can understand why it happened. Look, they clearly have issues at that track. Um, look, dirt racing, I'm, I'm just not particularly fond of it personally. Um, I thought American racing, they did the right thing whenever that was, kind of 10, 12 years ago. They ripped up a load of dirt tracks at great expense, put down all weather tracks. Um, and then political pulling and dragging resulted in then ripping back up those all weather tracks and putting dirt back down. Like I thought that was... I thought that set back American racing by 20 years. I suspect they'll end up back there again with all weather tracks, but it's just a pity that um that they didn't stand with it when they when they started making those changes. Um they're having all sorts of trouble getting hissed through. And these are the new um nationwide medication rules and and general rules. They're having awful trouble with legal challenges with that, which again is really sad for American racing because they're getting they they need they need to start step back and have a look. And I know we're not always in a position to throw stones, but Christ, they um they they need to make changes there. Um, and they're just being dragged 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 so slowly through you know where they need to get to um yeah. it, it's sad it's sad to see but hopefully they get there in the end i mean well they weren't going to take it sorry Vanessa, they weren't going to take any chances at the weekend anyway clearly the directive to the vets was to take no chances we have patrick mahomes yeah. in the ha- in the house we do not want the favor for the kentucky derby breaking its leg and i suppose in in, in that case it works but as, as kevin has outlined um, I, I didn't realise how they scored uh, lameness, but from a sporting point of view, it does stick in your craw a bit. And interesting, yeah, and, she, and she, look, it was it was a it was a foot bruise. Like we know, we know what it was. Yeah. Like you, 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 you don't get you don't get more minor than that, you know. But but America is such a litigious society. I'd half expect one of the days the owners to take out an injunction and say we're running the horse, and you can decide after the race. So it'd be interesting to see how it goes for them. It, it, yeah, I mean, we've got a question on that very topic. Yeah, well, the question oh, is if the question is from Stephen Hone in reference to Forte being taken out of the Kentucky Derby, is there any recourse for owners to take where there is a difference of opinion over a horse being withdrawn, seeing as the favorite being withdrawn from a stallion making race could have massive implications for stud value? I mean, there was yeah. obviously. You know, there was obviously a difference of opinion there, Brendan, and they're forced to withdraw the horse on the vet's advice. But like when you tear in with what Kev's saying about when you know your horse, you know, oh, yeah. it, there's there's upset on the horizon, isn't there, with the implications down the road? Oh, and, and I mean, I would say that the the vets 
um, off the record were saying to them, look, I know that under normal circumstances, the horse might have had a very similar thing on his previous run. I, I know that, but we are told to take absolutely no chances on such a high profile day. And so, so in that case, that's even going to get the connections back up even more. But the only thing I can see, I don't know the answer to the question, unfortunately, is that in America, I suspect you always have recourse to a higher court because they love litigation over there. So, mm. but obviously the, the owners decided not to go that way. And then with all yeah, because because I remember I remember a case, Vanessa. You might remember it was that the Breeders' Cup last. I think it was the Breeders' Cup last year, or the year before. Um, like footage came out of a horse trotting on the track prior to the race, like and he was dog lame, uh, and they ended up letting him run, yeah. and, and he and he and he broke down, and I was like, Jesus, lads, come on! I don't remember um, that. Yeah, I'm trying to Google it here and dig it out, but um, but I think you it, know the 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 forte withdrawal was then it was sort of really doubled down on with the winner obviously backing up all the forte yeah. form and then you're just yeah. like oh god what could have been but anyway it is what could have been and yeah. I, 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 I think from memory i think it was the same year do you remember there was a french horse maybe one of the heads had a very high profile horse at the breeders cup and the vets withdrew that it was at that same breeders cup i think right. the, the one i'm thinking of um but, you know it's like, like you, you know you're being super harsh with the internationals and look what you you know you left this local run when he clearly wasn't rising i'll try and dig it out just for over there what was what was the reaction to all the deaths what was it like was from, from the media really bad like it really put a dampener on everything i was just about to say like swinging it back around to tony's point that he wanted to bring in earlier in regards to the deaths on the track obviously they were headlined really by the two safi joseph runners who died in what has been described as very um i think highly unusual circumstance or highly unusual deaths and as a result you know the whole of safi joseph's operation has been suspended by the vets on off the back of these two vets i mean you know imagine if that happened i know it's different over there i know there's a whole different battle going on but you know, imagine if that happened over here. A trainer has been suspended from running his horses um, whilst this sort of more details come out, I guess, about the death. I mean, it is pretty extraordinary circumstances when you're witnessing it firsthand. And there was a lot of, you know, there's no getting away from the fact, TC, that it takes away from the, it took away from the meeting, knowing that the deaths had happened just because they know they're under the microscope there in American racing. And those deaths, you know, they're not good numbers. There's no getting away from that. They're bad numbers. And uh, it's not, there's not an improved situation. And so, yeah, ba a bad feel. Is that what you're asking? What the, no, no, I, the reason I was, obviously, Brendan said it's a, you know, litigation's, you know, the number one over there. And so, um, jo has Joseph's actually been told why, why he's actually, his operation suspended? Because obviously that's, uh, that's a very serious breach. And one other thing I was going to say that um, I read a report about the Animal Wellness Animal Wellness Action Group. Um, uh, basically, I don't not I don't know if it's fair to call them an animal rising type organisation. Did that? Were they come to? Did the the welfare groups come to the fore? You know, prior to the Kentucky Derby as well. Well, so if they did, it completely passed me by, and I was there on track, like walking around feeling the atmosphere i was really on the lookout for that because i thought oh there'll be some protesters as i walk in here if there were any protesters i never saw them and i went in two separate entrances the main entrance and the other entrance as well 
Uh, I never saw a protester. I never saw anyone with a banner except, you know, those banners that tell you to turn to religion in hard times. But other than that, I didn't see any anti-racing protests that were of any note. I'm there sure was there a big, were people um, there. Did you there see since actually um, Deadspin, which is a big um, online media outlet in America, um, put out like a scathing anti-racing article following okay. the Kentucky, Der- Kentucky Derby. Derby. Um, and it was basically, the tweet was just enough, full stop, and the article underneath um, basically yeah. saying that, yeah, this, this should all come to an end, this is too much. So that, that, that's a big old outlet in America now. Um, so As I say, there's no, there's, there's no getting away from the fact that everyone there within the industry feels that they are massively under the microscope and every horse death is a serious topic for them you know every single one matters and is a serious conversational point um mongolian groom might have been the name of that horse i think but i could gonna bug you now should we move on some questions got good questions this time around but care tc sorry has picked out the best five of them um we will kick off with pinza has asked do you feel that the 2023 English Guineas trials runners were seriously compromised by running only two weeks before Guineas weekend? Did the Craven, Greenham, Nelgwyn and Fred Darling participants have too little time to recover? Is this bad timing a one-off? If not, why not? Brendan, you can take that one. Okay, well, uh, I would just say uh, Pinza, that, uh, good name, by the way. Uh, that was Leicester Pickett's first derby winner, wasn't it, Pinza? Uh, anyway, I, I, I backed Mama's Girl, so I clearly wasn't that concerned about it. And yeah. it's, always the, it's always the same. It's two and a half weeks from the Craven meeting, and it's two weeks from the Greenham meeting. And I just went back, just uh, only a two-year sample. Obviously, this year didn't go well. But last year, you had Iden finish fourth in, uh, ran a massive race in the 2000 Guineas. Uh, having won the field and stakes, uh, Cache uh, won, won the guineas on the on the on the back of uh, winning um, winning the Nelgwyn. And the previous year, Saffron Beach and Master of the Seas, both uh, second in respective classics, had won their classic trials. So I think it's it, it it's just always the way it is. It's up to the, the trainers. I mean, it, it is a fashion thing. The, the the way things go, whether you want to run them in trials, the Irish classic trials tend to come actually funny enough a, a month three weeks to a month before the said, said classic so maybe we do things slightly different over here but I, I'm based on just one year I wouldn't have any problem back in Mama's Girl or the equivalent next year okay please don't panic Benza. Uh Andrew has asked better Commonwealth trial 1000 guineas Lazoo or 2000 guineas Noble Stars Sakir or will they all stay over a mile or Jersey at seven furlongs, Kevin? Yeah, it's really difficult to, to like be that, that's that's the frustrating thing about on, on the grounds like that. It's very difficult to kind of, you know, to really learn from it. Like because was it lack of stamina, you know, was it the ground, was it the ground making the mile too much for them? Um, it, it's hard to know. Like, I, geez, I really like a couple of those horses, and it's it's a tricky decision for their connections. Now, do you give them another crack at um, at Royal Ascot over the mile, or do you just drop? It, it's difficult now, and it'll be for them. Look, Sackier to me always looked a speedster. Um, so back in trip for him, perhaps noble style. Ooh, I wouldn't mind seeing him again now at a mile on faster ground, but that's just me. The the, the lads have known better than uh, the lads will. 
that training we'll, we'll see how they come out of the race and see how they're training if they're relaxing or what have you and make a decision but yeah it's it's it's, it's a from a race planning point of view it's a bit of a nightmare because you, you just don't know it's difficult to be bullish with your conclusions when you get such extreme conditions okay uh tc you can have the next question from harry diamond has asked what was the point of friday here at newmarket Epsom, Sandown, Ascot, Newmarket all have six flat days between them in less than two weeks, which could easily make four days of top-class racing by getting rid of Sandown and Friday of Newmarket. But obviously, Sandown got abandoned, so yeah, we had a few races from Sandown introduced to Newmarket. Uh, it's just, I, I, I think it's quite a good. I thought it's quite a good question because. It's just ridiculously congested time of the year, isn't it? We've, we've had a lot of top-class racing last week. Um, I feel a bit like we go feast or famine at this yeah, time. Yeah, we, it's three days, uh, and then we start the three-day Chester meeting. Uh, and obviously then it's like the Dante meeting next week. So, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, whether we've got a big enough pool of horses at the top end, and we really kind of like max it out. So, you know, you are going to get the, you know, Chester on Wednesday, for example. I think the group races, the Cheshire uh, group races, are, I think you've got four and five runner races there. And the Cheshire Oaks has held up all right at the moment anyway. But it's going to be really bad ground there by the looks of it anyway. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good point. But like I said, we cram it all in together just before the, the classics, don't we? But whether or not the classics should be later, that's a, that's another discussion point. Uh, Kev, you can have the next question from Mark S because it's in regards to sort of Irish race planning, I guess. Or Mark S has asked, why is it that Irish racing always has races over six and seven furlongs for two-year-olds much earlier in the season than Great British racing? There's a two-year-old race on Monday at Ross Common over 7.5 furlongs, and I don't think we've even had any six furlong two-year-old races yet have we often wondered about that thanks well thank you marcus for getting in contact yeah it is a little bit earlier won't be much earlier i'll um i'll dig out when the, the first seven in england is but um yeah we do have them there's demand for them there there's always plenty of horses kind of waiting for them and um, plenty of very nice ones too can pop out early so um and you know after all the chesham isn't a million miles away so um, yeah, no, they are, they are earlier, but not much earlier. Um, by the time we finish, I'll have I'll tell you what the date of the first seven furlong in England. I think he's right. I don't think we've had a six furlong maiden, but we should mention that George Bowie, two-year-old, absolutely pissed in over five furlongs, didn't it? First time out of the high clear horse last week. That looks a very good tool. But yeah, yeah. Did it, did it, O'Brien had a very nice one at Leopardstown to um, a Star Spangled Banner. Sorry, tell it I, Nace. Um, he, um, he was called, um, oh Christ, where is he? Um, he was very nice. Star, Star Spangled Banner horse. It'll come to me if you do. You know when Kev's got a lot on his mind when his memory's going with these horses' names. It's very unlike you, Kev. You Just find out when the first six furlong maiden is in this country. He's called, he's called Devious. And I'll answer the other question now in a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brendan, why he looks it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brendan. Um, Anthony Dean has asked, can you ask Kevin Brendan what first season sire has impressed them so far and what sire they think will be one to watch? Well, obviously, the obvious answer at the moment is Blue Point. Oh, season. you've taken it from me. You've taken it from me. Oh, <laughs> give over. Give no, over. another one now, Brendan. Do you want the betting? Do you want the betting, Brendan, for leading first season sire? That interests you? Yeah. Yeah. There's blue points going odds on it, is he? <laughs> even even money blue point. All right, okay. Ten sovereigns nine to four. 
Inns of Court, too darn hot, seven to one. Mm. Invincible Army, they're eight to one. Soldiers Call a tens, advertised twelves. Tell you what, I love the Invincible Armies when I saw them at the yearling sales, just as an ah. early flag up. And Inns of Court had his first winner the other day, didn't he? And I think he could be someone who just but blue point. Well, well, absolutely. Um, and I'm conscious for, for our correspondent that yourself and Kevin would have, would have looked at I, I didn't see any yearlings and I haven't seen many two-year-olds. I would just mention that, that uh, I was in uh, Nace on Saturday and it was another two-year-old race and Joseph had a horse called Gold Coast Galleon. He was too green to do himself justice, but he was quite a good-looking horse by Magna Grecia. And I just looked up for, for, for the purpose of that question that Magna Grecia has already had, had, had a winner, uh, Amy um, I, I, he's had a winner anyway, and of course he himself he had, was a late. He had the, I think he had the first two-year-old winner in Europe, didn't he, with Amy Murphy's horse? Wasn't oh, it? was he that it? it? Yeah. I, I, okay, uh, well, Magna Grecia himself was a, a late-developing two-year-old, and of course, despite being a, a Guineas winner, probably never got a chance to realise his full potential. And based on that one horse I saw in Nace, they're quite good-looking horses. So you, that sample is probably of no use. Do you want to take a guess at what price Magna Grecia is in the first season stylist? Ah, uh, well, he'd have to be, oh, I mean, 50 to 1. 33s. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, I mean, yeah. you're not yeah. going to see them till later in the year, right? No, so exactly. That's exactly. fair enough. Yeah, okay. yeah I'd, I'd, I'd still, um, I was a big fan of 10 Sovereigns, his stock. I had a couple here that, that, that I really particularly liked. Um, and He's two from two in GB in Ireland, I think. Um, Donica had one that won and Aidan had one that won. And I know Joseph has a whole heap of them and they're more kind of mid to back end two-year-olds. Like they're quite rangy. I'd say they'll end up being milers more than sprinters. So the wild blue point is clearly flying and, and looks looks really promising. I, w- I wouldn't be forgetting about 10 sovereigns just yet. Um, and to answer the question on a seven furlong two-year-old races in the UK, the first one, um, if what I'm looking at is correct, is at Haydock on the 26th of May as a Phillies race. And then the, the, the boys... Wow. The boys don't get a chance, from what I can see, until June first. Um, there are six furlong races all the way through next week. Um, so yeah, there you go. Interesting, right? I think that about wraps up the show, doesn't it? Anything else to add? No. Yeah, that that horse was Mongolian groom. Yeah. There yeah. you go. We got there in the end. It was, it was two. It was two. It was kind of two and a half years ago, so not quite last year. Fair enough. Um, and for, and Freddie Head's one that was withdrawn was 2018. So my head is scrambled. Scrambled. You've got a lot going on, Kev. You've got a lot going on up there. Um, lads, thank you very much as always for your contributions. We'll be back with Racing Only Better later in the week. But for now, listeners and viewers out there, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for your questions. We really appreciate them. Have a good week. That was Betfair's Wade In Podcast. <laughs>